Welcome into the Talk of Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News. Joined as I always am by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. The Talk of Tide podcast available to you wherever you like to get your podcasts. Also on YouTube and Facebook. You can catch us uh, at our web host as well at megaphone.fm. A couple of quick thank yous to our sponsors. North River Dental Associates, Peter Brook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, and finally, DraftKings. Our Twitter feed, talking underscore Tide. Get quick links to all our drops there, and we reconvene Travis here on a late June, a steamy evening in Tuscaloosa. I know you're down in Florida. Uh, I'm sure it's plenty hot down there. Been awful hot in Alabama as well. I've been doing a little traveling. Uh, We've taken a couple of weeks off here, but bouncing back, as it were, uh, with uh, SEC media way, media days now, I guess just a few weeks out. It is, yeah. I've been down uh, Crescent Beach, Florida, down here. Had a little uh, ocean breeze today, good bread. I know you're relieved uh-huh. to hear that. So a yeah. uh, little cold drink, little ocean breeze. Wasn't too bad, but no, it's it's been largely pretty sweltering around the southeast. But you're right, man. For all this summer weather, uh, it's starting to look and sound a lot more like football season right around the corner. No question about it. Here in June, though, of late, Travis, basketball uh, kind of took over the news here in the last week, or at least since you and I last podcasted with the NBA draft. Alabama places uh, somebody in the NFL, and excuse me, in the NBA draft for the fifth consecutive year. Uh, which is kind of a, a head shaker, Travis, if you think about it. It's been a long time, I think, since Alabama has strung together uh, picks in five straight years. This time, it's the freshman point guard, J.D. Davison, who decided to go one and done. He's selected by the Boston Celtics, number 53 overall in the second round, really just a few picks from the end of the draft. They only go two rounds in the NBA uh, what are your thoughts on this decision for this uh, for this kid uh, to to make this jump at this time? With the hindsight of now knowing what the outcome was, yeah, kind of of a, of a head scratcher in some ways. This was a pretty strong draft, though, in terms of depth. Right, um, th- this wasn't a draft that you know, if you were sort of a fringe guy where the first round was concerned, there was a lot of room for you to maybe move up into the first round. And really a lot of the narrative with JD at the start of the process was that he was starting out uh, in the first round uh, as far as projections, anyway, whatever those are worth. But I think we had talked about this uh, on multiple occasions. He he needed work and he still needs work. The upside is undeniable in terms of pure athleticism and uh, he's a good passer at times, but decision-making, outside shot, uh, you know, things like that, just maturity in general was very much uh, still in play for him. And so there he goes into the second round. I do like where he went, right? If you're going to go in the second round, go to a really good organization, go to an organization that needs a point guard. When you look at the Celtics and really where their failure came into play uh, in the NBA finals is that they didn't have a true point guard, in my opinion. So, you know, maybe not as early as next season, but, you know, in the not too distant future, 
maybe JD's given the time and allowed to develop in a way that he can become more of that sort of guy for the seas. What were your thoughts? You know, in terms of the financial decision that JD Davison made, I don't think you can argue with it, even though he did go at the end of the draft. Uh, you look at the decision. I don't know. I don't know who wouldn't make the same choice he did, even knowing where he would have gone. And I'm sure he was disappointed. I'm sure JD Davison expected to be to be gone, long gone, uh, before pick number 53. But last year's 53rd overall pick, a kid by the name of Charles Bassey from Western Kentucky University, signed a three-year deal with the Sixers for 4.3 million. So roughly a million and a half a season over three years for a rookie deal. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that that Davison's going to get uh, that exact same figure, but you can expect it to be in that neighborhood at least, Travis. And and you know, is he ready? No, we've like you said, we've talked about that. A lot, a lot of work to do in terms of decision making and, and turnovers. I think primarily, uh, but. He's gonna he's gonna be four point three mil richer while he's trying to put those skills together and and uh, you know you could say if he hangs on at Alabama another year maybe he gets drafted a lot higher maybe he does maybe he doesn't Travis I mean you hear a lot about one and dones but are there a lot of great two and done stories I can't no. think of a ton of them got to make the team though right I mean once you get out of the first round of the NBA draft that guaranteed money. Yeah, in large part goes by the board. So the numbers sound good. No argument here from that perspective. But he's got to make the team, which I know you hear Brad Stevens, you hear the Celtics people talk about J.D. Davis and what else are they going to say about him right. on draft night or or immediately thereafter? They're, they're going to sound very optimistic about him. But and as we talked about, there is very much an opportunity for a player at his position with that potential team. That's why they took him, uh, you got to think, in this draft. But uh, still got to make the team. And, and I think, though, if you take J.D. Davison as a one-and-done at that point in the draft, you, you're going into that relationship thinking, okay, we understand what we've got here. We understand he's got a lot of ground to cover, and we're going to be willing to invest time mm-hmm. into him. Uh Ultimately, it'll come down to production at some point. But I do think from that standpoint, I don't think the Celtics are going to be quick with the trigger. And J.D. doesn't come off as a guy that isn't going to give you anything less than his best. So uh, if that was a question mark with J.D. Davis, and I'd have more concerns than I do as it sits right now. But uh, I think his chances of being a Boston Celtic for you know, at least the foreseeable future are pretty good. And, and you know, look, there's there's deals that you work with guys where, you know, they're G League. That's what I would envision for J.D. Davison initially, right? Um, right. Something more along those lines, kind of like a Josh Primo uh, situation. And, and then, you know, hopefully in time, he's he's ready to help the, the Celtics at the, the top level. Before we move on and away from basketball, Travis, Nate Oates, uh, here in the last week or so as well, uh, said they're just going to sit on an empty scholarship spot. He had some interesting comments on a podcast that he did about it, the Next Round podcast, I believe, had Coach Oates on, and and his comments boiled down to a nutshell, Travis, was that I, it's a, I feel like for what was out there, whoever we got, it, it was going to be a five-minute-a-game type of role 
and he just didn't feel like he would be doing right by any player uh, to bring him in just for that. Noble on the front end, when you look at it from a recruiting standpoint, but Travis, does that, if you're a coach, can that not bite you right in the ass if you end up with four injuries next winter? It, it could. I think you're also weighing the team dynamic and all that. Uh, if you bring a guy in and you really don't have minutes for him, you know, there's a price you can pay in terms of your locker room and your bench morale uh, that you would rather not probably have to deal with. And, you know, if you feel that good about your 12 and, you know, we can say they've got 12, but Javon Quinterly, who knows, right, when he's going to be ready. So you're going into the season thinking you're going to have 11. Unfortunately for Nate, they've had some off seasons where they've had some catastrophic injuries. Namari right. Burnett most recently was one of those guys. So Rojas, um, Rojas has been through it. Alex Chiku, who recently transferred out to Rhode Island. So you're right. You, you, your concern is with that. Um, but I think there's also that other side that uh, from the team dynamic perspective, you'd rather probably just roll with 12 that you feel like you can give minutes to uh, if it comes down to it. Talking Tide podcasts on the Pigskin Podcast Network. Coming at you, we're going to talk a little football uh, on the other half of the show. Really quickly, though, going to thank some sponsors here. Uh, we're going to start telling you about North River Dental Associates and that great job that the staff over at North River Dental does for Jack Smalley, the former Alabama football player. Great location right off of McFarland at Watermelon Road at 1100 Fairfax Park. They do all kind of dentistry there, family dentistry, the pediatric dentistry. They got you covered. Porcelain veneers, cosmetic dentistry, laser dentistry, endodontics, dentures, teeth whitening services. They do it all. Also, Botox and Juvederm treatments for those facial features. You got a big event coming up this summer, a wedding you want to look your best for, the teeth whitening, the Juvederm. They get you taken care of over at North River Dental Associates. The phone number, 752 3506. You can also go online to make an appointment with Dr. Jack and his great staff. That URL is northriverdentist.com. Check them out. Get your routine cleanings twice a year like you should at North River Dental Associates. I'm going to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Man, I tell you, we talked about the heat earlier. And you think about summer camps, well, what better place to spend, send your special someone to a summer camp than Peterbrook Chocolatier, 205-752-0211. The spots have filled up extremely quickly. So go ahead and make the call as soon as possible to get your young person involved in those Peterbrook Chocolatier summer camps. Still space available in the near future. So go ahead and do that. And of course, always get by Peterbrook. You know what? We're coming up on two chase July. And in July, every Wednesday at Peterbrook Chocolatier, you're going to get a free scoop of gelato gelato in July. That's right. Peterbrook Chocolatier on Wednesdays, one scoop of gelato free to you at Peterbrook Chocolatier, Tuscaloosa. It's the best running air conditioner in in, in town in the, in the summertime. You well, you got to keep that. You got to yeah. keep that chocolate cool, right? Yeah. So no I mean, you know, it's going to be cool in there, and the gelato. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Between yeah. the AC keeping the chocolate cool and the gelato, it's yeah. uh, 
it's a nice little nice little refresher just walking into place. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Finally, going to tell you about DraftKings. That would be our corporate sponsor. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. That's the Pigskin Podcast Network acronym. They'll get you taken care of only at the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, Travis, moving on now. Uh, football, the schedule. We'll just kind of dive into that a little bit here in the second half of the program. The Crimson Tide uh, going on the road for a big non-conference game that'll be at Texas in Austin. As a matter of fact, I just booked uh, my travel uh, a little early nice. for that here in the last week. Looking forward to be my first time ever uh, covering or seeing a game at all uh, in that stadium. So uh, looking forward to the trip over to Austin. Uh, elsewhere on that road schedule, Travis, which we're going to chat about, uh, they'll be taking on Arkansas and Fayetteville. They'll be at Tennessee, at LSU, at Ole Miss. Uh, your thoughts on that road slate, Travis? Well, I asked you the question before we went on here. So much talk about the A&M game on October the 8th, and understandably so. In terms of anticipation, there's probably only two or three other Alabama home games in the last, what, 10, 12 years that are going to rank with this A&M game. At least that's what we expect going into the season. But if you want to talk about the games that are going to ultimately define Alabama's 2022 regular season. I think you can make a very strong argument for that road slate, Texas in September. Then you get into a six week stretch of Arkansas early October, uh, right after the A&M bloodletting at Bryant Denny stadium, you go to Knoxville to take on Tennessee. Um, you get an off week there at the end of October. Then you go to, Baton Rouge to take on LSU. And then you you kind of flip Ole Miss and Arkansas this year in terms of where they show up on the schedule. Mm -hmm. Ole Miss goes to November. Arkansas goes to early October. You know, we'll see what Ole Miss's roster looks like. That's the concern you have for Lane Kiffin's team that late in the season after they've been through the wars and, you know, what's left of that team in terms of their top 20 to 30 players. Uh, but that could be a very challenging situation in Oxford. So, you know, I think it's it's a it's a road schedule that very formidable. I don't really see exactly a gimme there. I think Alabama will be absolutely favored in each and every one of those games. But I also don't think they are a collection of games in which Alabama can just sort of sleepwalk through at least two or three of those. What strikes me about this road schedule, Travis, is I really I'm not sure I know what to expect out of any of these. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, Texas. You don't know what you're going to get with Texas in early September. They'll be playing at home. They're going to be hard to stop offensively. Can they stop Alabama or anybody else? That's going to be the question. And can they uh, block Alabama sure. too? Yeah. Can they block them? And can they get to the quarterback? You know, right. uh, uh, Ben Davis led Texas and sacks last year, Travis, <laughs> with two and a half. Uh, <laughs> Told y'all. <laughs> so, uh, who knows what to expect with Texas for sure. At Arkansas, Alabama gets the job done there. Uh, yeah, that being said, Sam Pittman, one of the best coaches in the league, has that program on the It won't swing. be 52-3 to three like it no. was two years ago in Fayetteville. 
I don't think no. either one of us anticipate that. Tennessee, LSU, Ole Miss, all three of those, I, I think, are just a little bit hard to pin down. I, mm-hmm. I don't I don't count Tennessee out from being a heck of a team because I'm a big Hendon Hooker guy. Mm-hmm. I, I, th- I think I think he's uh I think he's outstanding. He's gonna I think he's gonna have a heck of a year. He did last year, certainly. Uh at LSU, as much turmoil and turnover as that program's been through over the last couple of years, coaching, portal, you name it. Yeah. Uh, the LSU is going to be back. It's not an if, it's a win. And I don't necessarily think 2022 will be the year because uh, there's some rebuilding to, to, that Brian Kelly is going to have to undertake. Uh, but that doesn't mean they won't show some quick signs. They'll uh, still have a roster. I, I've said before, I think Brian Kelly's first roster at LSU – might be able to go toe to toe with any of the rosters he had at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that doesn't mean they're going to win 10, 11 games because the schedule is probably not going to be as friendly, I would think. Um, and it is year one. So there's a lot of things to consider in that regard. But in terms of just roster, I think LSU is going to be pretty formidable. I think they've got concerns like a few of the teams, Alabama uh, has on the schedule. And that starts with the offensive line for LSU maybe as much as any, I think they're going to start a true freshman at left tackle. That's not ideal with Will Anderson (laughs) lining up at outside linebacker, but otherwise really across the board, I think LSU has a chance as the season progresses to get better and better in year one. And that's, that's to the benefit of LSU. I would say chase, they don't see Alabama early. They see Alabama Mm -hmm. later. And so they'll have a chance to maybe get some things figured out. Same thing with Lane in his quarterback situation. If the rest of that roster can remain somewhat whole, you know Lane should have a quarterback ready by November, late November, as a matter of fact. Yes, speaking of not knowing what to expect, was the was the final number? I guess maybe we don't even have a final number on Ole Miss portal entries, but uh, 16, I think, or certainly the – King of the, the portal. King, King of, of the, the portal, portal Kiffin. Yeah. Well, yeah. Kelly and Kiffin. When you want to talk about portal, yeah, pro uh, prolificity this uh, this time around, both of them were all over it. I mean, what's crazy about the portal this year? I know we're getting off topic a little bit, but it involves a couple of Alabama's road opponents. Since we are talking about them, you're going to watch LSU, and you're going to see a couple of the DBs from Arkansas, in all likelihood, starting for LSU this year, and then you're going to see Dwight McGlovern, uh, the corner from LSU starting for Arkansas. I mean, it's like we had outright trades within the SEC West this year, you know? (laughs) And then the quarterback situation, you know, and Max Johnson now at A&M from LSU. Um, Right. uh, Zach Calzada going from A&M to Auburn. Auburn. Just in the SEC West alone and the teams that Alabama is going to see, it's pretty nutty. Those quarterbacks move more than anybody, too. Oh, yeah. Yes, they do. So, yep. Speaking of quarterbacks, Travis Bryce Young taking uh, his time, excuse me, with the Manning Passing Academy uh, over in Thibodeau, Louisiana. That's always a, a big event for sure. Crazy big event, really. I've been there only one time, uh, but y- you almost have to see it to understand it. They've got uh, 20 to 30 college quarterbacks there, I guess, is kind of the range they usually bring in, and they're acting as counselors working with kids and groups of 10 to 15 each 
on this massive, massive uh, uh, property uh, that uh, um, accommodates uh, thousands, literally thousands of campers. Mm. And uh, it's uh, it's a madhouse. It's quite a scene. But Bryce Young over there at the Manny Pass Academy, you know, these quarterbacks, Young and any of them, they're not going to pass up a chance to spend a couple days with the Manny family and soak up whatever they can. No doubt about it. Uh, it's sort of a status thing, too, to be able to, you know, garner that, that recognition. It's kind of interesting, too. You know, Bryce won the Eisman Trophy, but when you talk about kind of how he's viewed in terms of strengths and weaknesses among some of the guys that are also there, from the, like uh, Will Levis. You know, it's mm-hmm. like we continue to hear how Will Levis of Kentucky is just – you know, moving up and up draft boards um, as we get ready for the 2022 season. And then, you know, with Bryce, you still hear people, I don't know, you know, he's not the biggest guy. And if you're an Alabama fan, you love it because it's it's great to have a high – the only thing better than having a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback is a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback back who continues to hear doubts about right. Right. what he is or what he can do. I mean, that's that's beautiful if you're Nick Saban. Ole Miss takes it, uh, gets it done in the College World Series. Oh, how about the beer in Starkville, Mississippi? After that, yeah. I mean, you didn't yeah. even you had, had it for one year. It's, it, it, Ole it's Miss, col- it's colder Urinated than the Knoxville beer. It's colder than the oh. Knoxville beer in Starkville, though. Isn't well, it? you know. I think the Knoxville, I think the Knoxville folks are more wine coolerish. They don't even drink beer, you know, Bartles and James or something. You know what they are? They're more wine people. Wine, wine a lot. But no, yeah, you're right. Um, damn, I mean Mississippi State. It was like Alabama and Auburn, 2009, 2010, right? Yeah. Mississippi State wins the national championship. Maybe I think it was the first team national championship in athletic department history mm-hmm. at Mississippi State. One year later, Ole Miss wins the College World Series. I mean, that's 2009 Alabama, 2010 Auburn in football, if I've ever heard it. If you're an Ole Miss fan, Travis, an average Ole Miss fan, mm-hmm. what what would you rather have? The CWS title, which of course has just been earned, or or Arch Manning on the football team. What no, you take the baseball because that baseball. hurts. You take the baseball because that hurts state more. Uh-huh. That that hurts your rival. I mean, that that does. That, that there's no denying that. Um, I'll tell you, it was interesting that it, it didn't appear as if the Mannings gave Lane and Ole Miss. Really much of a look, did they? It seemed a little cursory, didn't it? Come on, Lane. Yeah. yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing for, for Lane for all this wizardry and quarterback whispering and everything else. Mm-hmm. Didn't look like the Mannings were all that in, uh, interested. No. In, uh, in Archie and in Eli and Kuppa's alma mater. I thought that was maybe the most interesting aspect about that. Look, Lane's still going to have a quarterback, though. You know that. Luke Altmyer this year, Jackson Dart. Between those two guys, he's going to figure that out. And they're going to put up numbers. But Arch Manning of Texas kind of had that feel you know, throughout the process. Texas was a real constant. I think some people were surprised more that it wasn't Georgia, maybe. 
Um, but for some reason, it just had a a Texas Sark. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, look at the guys that Eli and Peyton went to play for. Right, they went to Tennessee with David Cutcliffe, and and Eli went to Ole Miss with Cut. Offensive right. guys, first and foremost, that they trusted with their development. And I think Peyton was either going to go to Tennessee or Florida. So he was either going to play for David Cutcliffe and an old offensive line coach and Phil Fulmer, or he was mm. going to play for Steve Spurrier. And yeah. so Sark makes a lot of sense. Now, we'll see what kind of season Sark has. You know, and, and Quinn Ewers is there. Um, maybe Quinn's going to be a, a three-and-out guy. I don't know at the quarterback position. Or maybe Arch goes in there and, and takes care of business regardless. But some very interesting variables in that recruitment, right? Somebody might as well just throw a couple more million at Quinn to transfer again, right? Just send him another school yet. So. How about Quinn Ewers at Alabama in 2023 <laughs> right. when Bryce leaves and Alabama plays Texas at Brian Denny? I mean, what the hell at this point, you know, <laughs> anything's conceivable with this portal action. Be a lot of fun for sure. What about, and uh, before we get out of here, uh, Antonio Langham wanted to mention his uh, being named to the college football hall of fame ballot. He's not in, he's not been inducted, but he is on the ballot. He joins Chris Samuels uh, really quickly. Your thoughts on that, Travis. And then, and when you look back on that 1992 let me let me pose it to you this way. Well, let's go before Langham was was named mm-hmm. uh, to to the ballot. Had I asked you who's the handicap favorite from the '92 team to be the first uh, to get a chance, would, would Langham have been top of your list? Wow, because it's uh, a tough call. You could go not, a couple probably directions not, with that. Probably not for me. I mean, because to me, the 92 team is synonymous with Curry and Copeland um, up front. Right. Um, so it, it would have started on defense. Curry. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Curry. Curry or Copeland, I would have been not surprised by. Antonio, a hell of a player, though. I mean, you think about that 92 season. He came up huge against Auburn, um, came up huge against Florida, obviously. Um you know, there was the block punt uh, scenario against Mississippi State. People forget about that Mississippi State game in Starkville in 92. Yeah, That was a dogfight, no pun intended. And it took everything Alabama really had in that game. And there was a big punt block in that game that Antonio was involved in that went turned into a touchdown, as I recall anyway. So, you know, I'm not going to argue that, that Antonio didn't have that sort of career. He did. 93. Um, ultimately the way it ended, obviously no one liked, um, but in totality his career at Alabama, I think it's certainly worthy. Yeah. Mississippi state was scrappy with Alabama through quite a stretch there. If you remember now you're talking about Jackie. 92, how about 94? Yeah. Uh, when, when Alabama, well, Alabama should have lost that game. Yeah. They, they, they were beat. In and 96 uh, they did. And a lot of people will tell you that that was when Biebs basically decided that was a wrap. Right. Right. Yep. In the post game, but one of yeah, the top, you're right. Maybe, maybe one of the maybe the best, or certainly one of the best games ever as a passer for Jay Barker was in that Mississippi State game uh, in '94. They got Jay's '94 season was really, really good. You know, you got him in there with Homer. Um, 
working with him and that offense, the Georgia game in 94 in Tuscaloosa is an all-timer. Yeah. Um, Different uh, Jay, Jay was from 92 to 94, not the same guy. It's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. I want to thank our listeners and our viewers over on YouTube and Facebook. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodred of the Tuscaloosa News and Crimson Cover Television. Be sure to join us next time right here on Talking Tide.